guys. How are you? So it has been quite a morning. I don't know how it is where you are, but it is literally like snowing sideways here. <laughs> it, the wind is going crazy. It is freezing cold. So yeah, it is a uh, very chilly Sunday morning because of that. My morning coffee. Look at this bad boy. Boop. Yeah, this is my morning coffee this morning because hmm. Okay, so first I have to apologize because we had some miscommunication with my guest for today. <clears throat> we are in different time zones and uh, somehow we did not figure that out, I think, until the last second. So we are going to reschedule Claire Chu. So I am flying solo today. So if anyone has any questions for me, please shoot them in the text because I am literally winging it. I have absolutely nothing prepared other than the questions that I was going to ask Claire. So I can answer any questions that you have about grief, about me, about anything you want to talk about. It is an open forum today, and I'm just going to ramble for the time being. Um, so hello, good morning in Ontario. Yeah, what is it like there? I can only imagine in Canada, it's probably even colder than it is here in PA. But yes, winter has definitely shown up. It is, you know what, it's actually kind of depressing here because like I said, I'm in central PA and they keep telling us that we're going to get these big snowstorms. And then by the time they get here, they are just nothing but rain. So it has been raining, I feel like for three weeks straight and we've barely had any snow. The one day we had maybe like two inches, but then it started raining like crazy after that. So it washed away right away. And then there was no more snow. So yeah, and now it's snowing sideways, but it's just flurries and it's not supposed to stick. And then we were supposed to get another storm this coming Tuesday, but now they're saying it went from being like three to six inches last week. And now it's like a coating to an inch, which is a bummer. Like I don't love snow. I don't love to like hang out in the snow and do snowy things, but I love like the look of snow and the coziness of snow. And it's, you know, a good excuse to hunker down near on your sofa with a blanket and read a book. But we have had no snow like that lately. It sucks. It's snowing here. Snowing sideways here also. On the other side of Lake Ontario. So yeah, you guys get that crazy lake effect stuff probably. Oh goodness. All right, well, again, hello everyone. It is Brooke Carlock, your host of Morning Coffee. And if you are just hopping in, again, I'm kind of winging it. And I'm sorry, Claire is not here today to talk about pet loss because we had a miscommunication about the times, but uh, we're going to get her rescheduled for another time. Next week, I am super excited because we are going to have Joe McRogers on the show. Um, Joe and I became friends. We're both YouTubers. So uh, she has a grief YouTube channel as well. And when I was grieving, I watched Joe's videos and they helped me cope personally. So she's been doing this longer than I have. Um, and we have kind of similar philosophies about working with grief. So I'm really, really excited to have her on here and talk to her and thank her because she's being super nice and reading my book for me and doing like an advanced praise blurb thing review for me. So I'm, I'm excited to get that. And yeah, hi, Valerie, how are you? Freezing here with wind in Ohio. Yeah, 
the wind is crazy. And I am in my, if you know, if you follow the show, I'm in a tiny house and the wind literally like shakes my house if it's really bad. Cause we've had like 50 mile an hour winds lately and the house will like, <laughs> it's a little unnerving, but you know, it's fine. I still love my house, love the tiny, but it is a little weird when it blows so hard. Pet loss has been one of the worst things I've been going through. Oh, I'm so sorry that Claire is not going to be here today. She felt really bad. Um, so we'll get her rescheduled like as soon as possible. Probably the one of the very early weeks of February. We'll try to get her scheduled. Six-year-old Bill last November and I still lose my shit daily. That is completely understandable. And again, like, Pet loss is not my area of expertise, but I know for a lot of people, losing a pet is can be as bad as losing a person. And I personally have not had that experience myself. Um, I've had pets kind of my whole life. I don't have one now here in the tiny house because our cat Mochi went to go live with my son, Max. But yeah, I, I know how attached people are to their pets and, and it's such a big problem. I was actually thinking about this because I've been watching grief shows. And this is one of the things I figured I'd talk about today because I don't know what else to talk about. Um, so I watched two different kind of grief shows this week. The first one was a movie called Good Grief. And it's starring Dan. I don't know if it's Levy or Levy, if someone knows, put it in the comments. So I don't say it wrong the whole time. But um, he was on Schitt's Creek and I, I enjoyed Schitt's Creek. So I figured I'd watch that because I was so excited that it was like, like a full length feature movie about grieving. And I waited and waited for it to come out and I watched it when it came out and, oh, I was very disappointed to say the least. I, I thought it was terrible. I love, I love Daniel Levy, Levy, <laughs> however you say it, but I don't know. Has anyone seen it? If you've seen it, can you throw it in the comments and let me know what you thought? Um, if you haven't heard of it, it's on Netflix, I believe, and it's called Good Grief. And the whole story, I don't want to give away too much, but it is um, Daniel's husband, the character he plays, his husband passes away in a car accident. And it's kind of him dealing with it after that. But it was very unrealistic to me. Um, it, well, it was hard to relate to, I'll say that, because it takes place in London and the characters are all like ridiculously wealthy. Um, and no one seems to work. Like they all just, I don't know. It's like a bunch of like late 30 something people. And the husband that died was a writer and I guess made a bunch of money because they lived in this humongous, gorgeous house in London. And he had like a house in Paris and it, it was a whole thing. But then like his friends too, like no one seemed to actually have a job. They all just kind of like hung out all the time. And the main character I think was an artist. It didn't make it super clear. But again, like he pretty much did nothing but like hang around the house. And so it was, <laughs> I just found myself saying like, oh, well, it would have been nice like in my grief if I could just 
stay home and not do anything, or I could drown my sorrows with trips to Paris and wherever. Uh, and I didn't feel like the grief that was portrayed was particularly realistic, at least not from the people that I've met and worked with and, you know, communicated with about grief. It just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't hit me in the right way. The The characters all to me seemed very entitled and kind of spoiled and bratty. So yeah, it was disappointing for me. It was, it was a thumbs down. Um, again, if anyone has seen it, let me know in the comments what you thought. If you haven't seen it, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it personally, um, unless you need like a time killer. But the thing I will say, the other series that I watched is it's an older series and I had never heard of it. And it popped up on my recommended in Netflix. And it is called Afterlife by, uh, and the main character is Ricky Gervais. And I freaking loved it. Loved it. I binge watched. There's three seasons and there aren't that many shows per season and they're pretty short. So you can get through it. Like you can binge it pretty quickly. I absolutely adored it. If you haven't seen Afterlife, the, there's a movie which is unrelated. So it's the TV show on Netflix. And I want to say it came out in like 2018, 15, 18. Valerie, you just started. Yes, Valerie, let me know what you think. I think it is, it's for a certain type of person, but if you like my vibe, like if you like my style, you'll probably really like it. If if you, one, if you are, I would say like very religious, it might be offensive to you because Ricky Gervais is an atheist and there's a lot of like arguing. It, I think it tackles it really well though. So I honestly don't even know, like if you're religious, I think it, you might appreciate kind of the back and forth because he doesn't just like bash religion. He, there are characters who are religious who like say things back to him and they have discussion about it. Um, if you are not religious, you'll definitely chuckle at some of the stuff because he is not shy about sharing his feelings, um, which I appreciated so much because being a non-religious person, it's really the first thing that I've seen that's like an actual movie or TV show that kind of deals with grief in such a realistic way without throwing in a lot of religious stuff. So I just, with the religious stuff aside, the story in there is that um, the main character, Ricky Gervais, his name is Tony. He his wife has passed away and he cannot deal with it. It is not going well. Um, he, there is a trigger warning because he talks about suicide a lot, but the thing I love about it is that it's so freaking realistic. Like I think the, the things that he does and talks about and says so many times watching that show, I am just like, yes, like he gets it. It is, he does things he shouldn't do. You know, he drinks too much. He's kind of mean to people um, because he's pissed off at the world that his wife is gone and their relationship was incredible. So a ton of the show, like the heart of the show is he recorded a ton of movies of his wife that passed away. And so they show these clips of his wife and you can just feel how much they loved each other. And it it's just beautiful. 
it deals with the grieving in such a realistic way, I thought. Um, so highly recommend watch Afterlife. The other thing with Afterlife is the soundtrack. Oh my gosh, if you're a music person, the soundtrack is incredible. I actually searched up online and found a list of all the songs that they play because I kept, like my favorite songs kept popping up in the show. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy has the exact same taste in music that I do. So yeah, that is, that's Afterlife. So has anyone seen any shows on grief or movies that kind of hit you that you enjoyed that you liked that you didn't like open for discussion I don't know let me know what you think and let's see what else I don't know I <laughs> this is going to be probably a very short episode because I really have I wasn't planning on being on today by myself so hmm. um so I don't know what to ramble other than stuff about myself does anyone have any questions for me No. I see people dropping off. They're like, oh my God, what is this, Brooke? This is terrible. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's okay. Um, I can talk about my book and what's going on with my book. So I am super excited because it's done, it's edited, and it's in production to be published. Um, I am having kind of a breakdown with it right now and you guys can let me know what you think or what your opinions are so here's my problem it is really expensive to publish a book and i had no idea how expensive it was to self-publish until i actually started doing it and i've hit the point where it could be published in probably a month or two but the people who have read it so far, I've sent it, like my editors read it, I've shared it with multiple people to get like the pre, the reviews that you put into the book. And all of the people who have read it so far have been super complimentary and say that it's really helpful. And it's been so nice and like humbling and awesome to read, but they are all telling me the same thing. And they're saying, which I guess is a good problem to have. They're like, this needs to get out there to the world. Like people, people need to read this. And I've had a couple therapists say that they want to order a bunch of copies to give to people in their own practices who are grieving. And because of that, I've had a couple people tell me like, you need a publicist so that you, you know, if you just self publish it, only the people that already follow you, you know, will pretty much find it. And I can try to get on podcasts and whatever to, to talk about it, but not at the level that I could if I hired like an actual publicist. So I've been looking into the publicist thing, but it is insanely expensive, like really, really expensive. And I've gotten some quotes from people and it's, super exciting when you first look at it because they're saying that I could like, you know, be on the Today Show possibly or be on all these like, you know, NPR, all of these really well-known like TV shows and podcasts and things like that. And it's like, that's amazing. Like, because then more people would learn about the book, you get it into more hands, it would help more people. And that is my goal. So I love that they're saying that. But then it's like, holy shit, when you look at the quote, the price tag, it is many, many thousands of dollars that I really don't have. So I've been in this quandary of like, what do I do? Do I 
pony up the money and like hurt myself financially with the chance that it doesn't sell well and I don't make any of that back, but more people get the book? Or do I just say, you know what? I don't really need to sell that many copies and I don't spend the money and just see what happens with it on its own. So yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stuck there. It's an audio version any cheaper to start. <laughs> so the audio version is a whole other thing that is, I just looked at that and it's $700 to record an audiobook in a studio because I don't have the stuff here to do it. So I would record it myself, but I'd have to go to the studio to do it. So that's about 700 to do that. Um, I don't know if I'd want to do... So you're saying like do the audio version first before I release like a paperback version, right? I hadn't considered that. I don't know. Do you think people would like that better, an audio version? I don't know. At this point, I'm open to pretty much any suggestions. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. To get a jump start for cash. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you make on audio versions, but I could look into that. I'm not sure how that works, honestly. You don't read them, but you do listen. So yeah, I I think a lot of people are in the same boat. I'm actually, I listen to way more audiobooks than I actually read books. So yeah, you're right. That could be a way to kind of jumpstart things. I don't know. I think compared like with the, because I had to spend the money for editing and all that stuff. And I think, I don't think I'm going to make back the money I put into it, which is fine. I'm just excited to have a book out there. Um, thanks, Valerie. Valerie says I'll buy it. I appreciate that, Valerie. <laughs> can find you and then find like lots of other people. That would be great. I'm not honestly expecting to make the money back that I put into it, which is kind of a bummer, but that's kind of how this whole everything is gone with uh, <laughs> the whole grief support thing. But I mean, that's not, I'm not doing it to make money. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to decide. I have one more meeting this coming week with a different publicist to kind of see what that person recommends. And we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. So I'll keep you posted. I don't know. I, it's funny because when I ask the people that are closest to me as well, they all have different opinions. So some of them that know me are like, if you don't, if you don't spend the money and you don't get the publicist and you don't go on any of the TV shows and you don't do all of that stuff, it's going to drive you crazy because you're going to wonder, like you're always going to wonder what could have happened. Like, could it have blown up and, you know, you sell a ton of copies and help a ton of people and become like, you know, the next Brene Brown. Okay. Obviously I'm not going to be the next Brene Brown, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that kind of vibe. Um, to the point where people like know who I am and whatever, and, and I can write more books and things like that. And then other people are like, that is way too much money. You don't have it. That would be crazy. Just, just be happy that you have a book in the world and, you know, go with that. So yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Still not sure what I'm going to do, but I will keep you posted. <laughs> Hey, Jess, I definitely need to catch up. Yes, I did. <laughs> I've wanted to write a book forever, Jess. So Jess, as I remember the day you told me you wanted to write a book. Yeah, 
I've been wanting to write a book forever and I'm so glad that it's done. And honestly, one of the best days of my life, I'm pretty sure you were there was the day that I finished it because ah, nobody, you'll know this, but nobody else will know this. Jess is my friend from work, by the way. She's a fellow teacher. Um, I finished the book right before uh, we had back to school night with all the parents of our students. And it was maybe like a half an hour before it was supposed to start. And I typed the last sentence and there it was. And I like went out into the hallway and I don't think I, it was seriously one of the happiest moments ever. Just the satisfaction of actually finishing a book finally when I wanted to do it my entire life that I just kind of went all around the hallway, like looking for people to tell, <laughs> like, I just finished my book. <laughs> it was super exciting. Um, yeah. So, huh, I don't know. Um, I'm writing another book. I think I mentioned this in the last video. If I could just be like a reclusive writer, that would be fantastic. I, if I could make money doing that, I don't know how to make money doing that, but if I could, I would. But my other series, you're so excited. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. I was. I was super excited. Um, yeah, so the next series that I'm writing is about, uh, it's called Libby's Frontier. And it is Libby, my daughter, is the main character. And we used to watch Little House on the Prairie together. So we, uh, I am writing a series of books about a girl on the frontier that is Libby's age and all of the experiences kind of Little House in the Prairie-esque um but yeah I'm I'm enjoying that as well so I love the writing I if I could just write all the time that would be my dream job but unfortunately it is really hard to like break into I've discovered that being an author is like 98% about who you know and not whether you're actually a good writer or not which stinks because I am a homebody and I don't know a lot of people. So yeah, doesn't work out that well. And I'm trying to get better about getting out there. Like I said, I've got a couple conferences and stuff that I'm speaking at and I'm hoping that that will, you know, allow me to meet some people. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm just crossing my fingers that it will go well. The other thing that I'm, that goes along with the book is the cover. Holy crap, picking a cover has been so hard. So if anyone has any ideas, it the problem with the book, not not the problem. The thing I love about the book is that it's very much me. It there's a lot of swearing. It's kind of sarcastic and even though it's a book about helping people through grief, it's kind of funny, honestly. <laughs> and everybody that has read it so far loves like they think they keep saying like I don't know how you made me both cry and laugh, you know, during a book about grief. Um, but, that, you know, that's what I love about it. But then trying to come up with a cover that reflects that, like I had so many, we, my editor and I were trying to come up with ideas and everything that I sent to other people to look at, they were like, oh, I think this is, like it's a book about grief and you're talking about all these people in your life dying and this cover is way too happy. <laughs> and I get it. Like I get that point. They're like, nope, this, some of my friends were like, this font is way too cheery. Like it's weird. It doesn't, it doesn't vibe with grief. 
And I'm like, yeah, but the whole point is that I'm saying that your life doesn't have to completely suck if you're grieving. And, and it's kind of funny, but we can't find a cover that reflects that. So there are a couple f ideas floating around out there and I still haven't decided what I want to do. So let me, if you're willing to share, I know you have opinions. Yes, I know you do, Jess. <laughs> yes, I can show you, I can show you the different covers. We can discuss, we'll discuss when we get back to work on Tuesday. Then, okay, change of topic, I guess, but I've listened to a lot of shows lately about grief and pet loss and so many compared to child loss. No disrespect, men at all. It's okay. I could not imagine losing a child. Yeah. There is no disrespect taken. Actually, one of the, this is kind of randomly going back to the afterlife show. I kept, one of the things I kept thinking during that show is that he and his, the main character, Tony, and his wife, um, got a puppy and the puppy grew up, you know, with both of them. And then the wife dies and the dog is now like old. And that's pretty much the only thing that keeps this character going is this dog. And I kept thinking throughout this whole show, like if this dog dies, this guy's going to lose it. Like he will not make it through. And I'm not, I don't want to, in case you're going to watch it, I'm not going to spoil anything that happens. But yeah, it really made me, because I haven't felt that way about a pet. It really makes you understand like how strong that bond is with a pet. And yeah, losing that pet would have been a complete disaster for that main character because you can just feel the love that they shared the whole way through that show. So I get it. I totally get it. And again, I'm sorry about Claire not being here. We will definitely figure that out. And uh, I'll let you know when that is so you can tune in when she's going to talk. So if you think about it, a lot of us that Love our pets, treat them just like children. That's how I got to your channel after losing Bo. She's trying to get help any way I could. Yeah, for a lot of people, their pets are like their kids. So I understand. I don't think it's disrespectful. It's just different. I always say to people like your, your grief is your grief. It doesn't matter who it is or what it is. Like people's grief is however they perceive it. So I believe that there could, it all depends on the relationship that you have with the person or in this case, a pet. So, so much of it just depends how you grieve and how much you feel the loss depends on the relationship you had with that person or that pet. So I am sure that there are some shitty parents out there that probably feel less grief over losing a child than people who treat a pet as if it's a child and just absolutely adore and live for that pet. I, I get it. I have my son's cat and I treasure him. Oh, Valerie, that's so sweet. Yeah, I can imagine because it's a link, right? It's a link to your son. I'm going to watch that movie now. I remember the trailer. Yeah, the show. So Afterlife is a show um, on Netflix. So there's three seasons. And then the good grief was the movie, which yeah. <laughs> I hate being mean. I hate giving things bad reviews, but I just did not like that. When I look at that cat, I feel my son. Oh, I can believe it, Valerie. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the things that we feel are, it's all about relationships, honestly. It's how I am with my, this whole thing is, I have been on the fence. I've been thinking about getting a cat for a while, like since I moved into the tiny house. And Jess, if you're still watching, she knows, she's she's like, get a cat, get a cat. <laughs> and I don't know, I'm still on the fence. I've had a pet like for, since I've been born, like my family has always had pets my, you know, when I had my own kids, I always made sure there were pets in the house. And usually we'd have a dog and a cat. And then after Libby died, we had had our dog Coda, who was a husky for, you know, year. Coda lived a very long life and was alive. Literally, Coda lived longer than Libby. Um, Coda was like a year and a half older than Libby. And so when we lost Libby, Coda could tell that Libby wasn't there. Like Coda would sleep on Libby's floor. And after she died, we kind of, cl I closed the door on Libby's room and the dog would scratch at the door and stand outside and whine and try to get in. And it was the saddest freaking thing ever because that dog just adored her. I'd go in all the time and find them like curled up together on a beanbag chair. And it was just adorable. Um, and then forget how long it was. It was a couple months after Libby died that Coda got really sick. We had to put Coda down. And that was really, really hard. And I remember kind of being grateful that Libby didn't have to go through that because they were so close. Um, but yeah, that was, that was hard. And then having to put Coda down, just sort of like, oh, I, I've just been kind of staying away from that. Okay. <laughs> so this is my ex-husband, David, saying, spend the damn money. <laughs> so you can see what his opinion is. Spend the money. Yeah, that's going back to whether I should spend the money on the publicist. So spend the money, he says. Thank you. Yeah, it's easy to say when it's not your money, David. <laughs> but the reason why, I will say, the reason why that is, it's so difficult for me is because, and David can attest to this, I, I'm oversharing here 110%, but from the time I had to live on my own, I've been in debt. Like, I did not learn about money. When I grew up, my dad had a ton of money and was very, he was very wealthy. He owned his own business. The business did well. He had a house in Ocean City, Maryland. He had a house in Florida. And when I was with my dad, I, I kind of lived this life that was pretty spoiled. Like not a lot of people get to live. He had a giant boat. I got to go out in the boat all the time and, and just do all these awesome things. And my mom, because they were divorced, my mom barely had any money. And so I grew up with my mom, like worrying about money all the time. And my dad spending money like it was water and no one ever did anything responsible with their money. Um, 
no one ever taught me anything about it. And then when it was time for me to go out in the world on my own, I kind of had to figure everything out. But the problem was that I, because I had grown up living like the fun dad life with my dad, which was like every other weekend, he was the, he was the Disney dad that would buy us all kinds of stuff and take us places and whatever. And because of that, I wanted that life. Like I, I felt like I should be able, I wanted to work towards that. And I think that just kind of instilled in me, like the whole wanting to have what everybody else has. And if I couldn't afford it myself, I'd look at other people and be like, how are they doing it? And and I would just do it with like credit cards <laughs> and I would spend money that I didn't have. And it was not a good way to live. My biggest problem, and if David's still watching, he's he's probably laughing. Uh, my biggest problem was houses. I love buying houses. <laughs> that sounds so weird. But I've moved like more than any normal human, not because I had to, but because I just always wanted to upgrade my house. So like I'd get into a house and I love interior decorating to the point where like I've considered doing it as a job. And I move into a house and I redecorate the whole thing and get it exactly how I want it. And then I'd be like, oh, once it was exactly the way I wanted it, I would start looking for another house so that I'd sell that house. And it usually worked out okay because because I redid everything, I usually like made enough money back from selling the house for more than when I bought it that I could put that into a new house. And I just kept upgrading and upgrading and upgrading houses and not being patient when it came to what I wanted to do with the houses to make them look the way I wanted. Um, yeah, so that cycle just <laughs> was not good. Um, yeah. So that is kind of where my money problems stemmed from. So I was in debt for like pretty much my entire life. And then when David and I got divorced, that was like a huge, it wasn't the only cause, definitely, but it was a large part of the problems that we were having because we were always stressed out about money. And once the divorce happened, I very much decided that I was not going to be like that anymore. Um, so ever since then, I've been kind of trying to be more careful with spending money, but it is a really hard habit to break. And if you have problems with that kind of stuff, like <laughs> we have a joke where David, <clears throat> David laughs at me all the time. Uh, he used to make fun of me all the time because I used to say everything was only $5. So I'd go to Home Goods and come back with like five new throw pillows that I really didn't need. And he's like, why would you spend money on throw pillows? We already have like way more throw pillows than we need. And I'm like, but it was only $5. <laughs> like everything I ever, it was only $5. Um, so that became the running joke in our marriage where he'd be like, let me guess, it's only $5. <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't good, but. I had to learn the hard way. And another thing that really helped, I'm just rambling at this point, I'm sorry, but um, my dad ended up losing his business and lost 
all of his money and went from being very wealthy to extremely broke. And because he didn't know how to deal with money either. Um, he just spent it like water and didn't save anything at all. And because of that, when he lost the business, he, I mean, he was working full time, even though he should have been retired. He was working as a secure, you know, Mr. Big Businessman ended up working as a security guard at a casino um, because he needed money to survive and pay his bills and still struggled. And watching that and finally hearing him say things like, you know, I shouldn't have lived my life as though spending money was the only thing that was important. Like I should have spent more time with my family because he did. Like he saw us every other weekend. And honestly, a lot of times he canceled those weekends because he was off doing fun things with his friends and whatever. Um, so he was not super close with any of us kids, really. Um, um, so yeah, watching him have that heart change also made a big difference for me. Um, so I think I've learned at this point, especially after losing lives, like money isn't what's important. It's your relationships and your family and the things that you find comforting and care about and expensive things aren't on that list for me of things that are important. So I just rambled for a very long time about that. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Hi, Jennifer. If you're still here, that was a very long ramble, but thank you for joining us. So sad. At least they're playing together by the Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Libby loved pets and she loved that dog. She loved the cat mochi. Oh, so sad. Oh, sorry. I just read that one. Love your guys' relationship, Valerie. It it has come a long way. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah. It was a lot of work to get to this point where we get all... Actually, no. I mean, we always... I always thought we had a good relationship. Props to David for being a good, proper man, even after the divorce. A couple of years ago, I made sure to put my family and my wife ahead of money and we were so much happier than, right? Yes, that is what is important. You're so much happier with less. I, that's kind of my whole point with that story is that I figured out what was important. And that's why, because I never got to my point, bringing it kind of full circle is even though David's saying spend the damn money, like to me, having that money in the bank and having that security after watching both of my parents die with like literally no money and working their butts off to survive. I'm like, Oh, it is. Cause I worked really hard to pay off my debt and I'm in a point now where I don't have any debt anymore. And I do have some stuff in savings and spending that is like almost physically painful for me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like I have a ton saved. I have pretty much exactly what I would need. So it would take my savings down to like nothing. And that scares the shit out of me. Let me tell you. So many houses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. 
They were beautiful houses, though. I mean, you have to admit, I, I decorated them beautifully. <laughs> oh, it's a lesson we all benefit from. You are right. It's not the money that matters. It's experiences and relationships. Oh, 100%. It really is. It's the only thing that matters. And losing someone that you love, I don't think anything else shows you how true that is more than losing someone that you love because you just realize what's important. You would give anything, any material possession in the world, any financial security, I would give them all away in a millisecond if I could have one second with my daughter. You are really living that with your tiny house also. Alas is more. That was, that was kind of part of the point. Just no, you know, yeah. I, people thought I was nuts for doing this. But I'm telling you, it was the greatest decision ever. And you know what's interesting about it is that this is one that I made on my own. I had a ton of people telling me that they thought that it was a ridiculous idea and they thought I was just following a fad and whatever and I was going to get sick of it. Literally, my family was taking bets about how long I would last here. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Like, I thought about it. It wasn't a spur of the moment decision. I thought about it long and hard and it was... I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And I'm so glad that I trusted my gut with it because it's been, it's been awesome. Hello, old David. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we can joke about these things now because let me tell you, when you're married to someone who, and you're having those money fights all the time, it is definitely not amusing at that point. It's hindsight where you can go about, you know, go back and laugh at it. But I am very glad that I have grown in that regard. Agreed relationships are all that matters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, Valerie. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Talked about the book cover. I'll keep you posted on the, the publicist thing. Uh, I still don't know what I'm going to do. Even though David says spend the money. And I will tell you, though, David doesn't often say spend the money. Um, Barely ever does he say spend the money after living with me for so long. So for him to be saying spend the money, that actually means a lot. That that has a lot of weight with me because he knows me better than anyone. So, all right. Wow, there are dogs like fighting outside my door. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but all right. Well, we're at forty-two minutes. I think that was probably long enough listening to me ramble. People who stuck around for this, thank you so much. I am, again, so sorry that this was like off the cuff and I'm just chatting with you guys. Um, but we will reschedule Claire and get her in here to talk about pet loss. I will try to do that sooner than later. I know I have people scheduled the next two weekends in January. So it will probably be early February that, that she will be on here. But uh, we will make sure that we make that happen so that we can have that conversation because I definitely want to. And I know I have a lot of people in my audience that were waiting for this one as well. My husband and I just downsized six months ago from a 3,000 square foot home to 1,400. Best thing ever, right? Yes, it is. It It is. Even though it's a smaller space, somehow it is more freeing and less to clean, less expensive. It just downsizing just brings such a peace of mind from what I found anyway, in my own personal experience. 
which I, I went the opposite way for so long. So like started out with smaller houses and then just kept like building up and up and up and up and ended up in a five bedroom house. The house that David and I lived in before we got divorced was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. We couldn't really afford it. I'm not even sure how we got it. We got all the houses we did because we had enough money instead of being smart and like saving the money that we made from me, like redoing the house. We just put that money into a bigger house. Shouldn't have done, but that was always my choice. Like it was my choice. Um, but the house that we were in when we got divorced was just stunning. I think it was four bedrooms, um, pretty modern looking, but just wide open, spacious, beautiful. It had a pool had a really nice backyard. Like it was so pretty. Um, but that house was like the final straw pretty much. <laughs> it, that, was, that was like the downhill of our relationship and he will definitely agree to that as well. Um, Cause it caused a lot of problems because we could not afford it. And neither of us were, well, he was not very happy. So love the off the cuff stuff. Thank you, Brooke. Well, I'm glad because <laughs> I'm a hundred percent winging it. So I appreciate it very much. All right. I think that is it for today, guys. Thank you for hanging out with me again. I am Brooke Carlock on morning coffee. Um, you can catch the live stream Sundays at 11 AM. Usually they're much more structured than this, but I appreciate you hanging in today and I will see you guys next Sunday. All right. Thank you so much for watching. Love you guys. Have a good week.